You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Hey, you guys! Uh-oh, guess what day it is. Guess what day it is. Huh? Anybody? Mike, 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 Mike. What day is it, Mike? <laughs> Welcome to Earth Station One, a weekly podcast dedicated to all things sci-fi, fantasy, and much, much more. Sit back and relax and enjoy the show. Hey there, listeners. How's it going? Welcome to another episode. Hope you had an amazing, amazing Thanksgiving here in the United States. It was a lot of fun. And we thought a way of, you know, paying back to being thankful for everything. It's time to get a little weird. That's right, folks. We're doing a double feature this week. And you can't get much weirder than talking about weird, the Al Yankovic story. And for our first segment, and then for our second segment, we're going to Star Wars Andor. That's right, folks. We are going to be going all over the place in this one. So it's going to be going from Hawaiian shirts to, well, I didn't think we saw any lightsabers. So I think, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see what we're going to be talking about. And you know what? We got a great crew with us tonight to talk about it. Of course, we have Mr. Howdy himself, Mr. Mike Gordon here. Howdy and happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope everybody had a great holiday weekend. Of course, we have some leftover stuffing, so that's why this episode is stuffed full of content for you. See what I did there? See what I did there? A lot of people have always said that our show is always stuffed, but or full of something, or or full of it, but that's a whole different story. Oh, well, yeah, that's yeah, that's that, yeah, that's true. That's a whole different story. And we got joining us for this segment. Let's welcome back. Nick Tabor's here. Joining you for the side of the stuffing, a little bit more corn than you probably expected. It's uh, Nick from the computer time machine. Wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Mike, have we still not let him, like, are the airlocks broken? Like, how is he? How I is have he not been able to move, this is, y'all. This is the third week in a row. Like, I, like I, it's I, just unheard of. I have, of. Put, like, I have put the ejection there. button for him. Five feet away from him. He just has to push the button. It's it's all JD's fault. This of place course. has I've gone to hell ever since like brain, JD went off on his spiritual hiatus journey, whatever he's doing it's craziness. to get his mind straight. It's craziness. But you know, Nick, we like having you here, so it's not so so bad. I really do enjoy you too, really. Really. I really do. So I'm happy to be here. Nick, it's great to talk to you. And you know what? It's going to be a fun conversation to talk about Weird Al. And, you know, I've been a Weird Al fan since way too long, since the early yeah, 80s. Me too. And, you know, this this story taught me things about him that he didn't even know was about his own life. So it's pretty It was cool. really, it was really insightful, I think. It was really illuminating and insightful in a, in a way that I think some viewers who haven't seen it yet are going to be shocked. And uh, as Mike uh, has pointed out, we are covering both Weird, uh, the Ali Yankovic story, the movie that was on uh, released on the Roku channel, as well as Andor, the Star Wars series that's on Disney+. Plus. We will be spoiling both of those. So we will be talking in depth with both of those uh, items. And so if you haven't seen them, uh, you know, just print pause. We'll wait. We'll be here for you. And then come back and you can enjoy the discussion as well. Exactly. You know, or you could be like... Uh... You know, Nick and just not leave the station ever. So. Well, yeah, that's uh, you know, if too many people did that, it would it would start to smell. If it I do, it doesn't it doesn't already long enough, do I get robots to watch these movies with me? 
<laughs> this isn't MST3K, sir. Nope. This is Sir Stage One. We can't afford robots. Robots. Okay, the... I'll just make it from pieces that I find around me. Then where's your gumball? There, there, there may be some mice wandering around, or some okay. rats. So they will be uh, your uh, audience if you need one. Yes, exactly. You could pretend with them. You could even dress yeah, them up if you'd like. But yeah, Pretty robots. Much. Who has that kind of budget? Exactly, robots. <laughs> You know, give have people you know give more money to our Patreon. Maybe that would be a better way. Then maybe we could afford some robots. Maybe, maybe, maybe we'll have to wait. And but see. then, but then we'd be sued by MSC3K, and then we wouldn't have anything. Hell, we'll get an, <laughs> we'll get another c- cease and desist letter like I got from Weird Al. So it's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> so that's how that's how close we are. Yeah, exactly. This is how far oh. away from Weird Al we are. We got an official cease and desist letter. So it's pretty cool. So with that being said, we definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. Please write us feedback at earthstation1.com. Let us know what you guys thought of Andor or Weird, the Al Yankovic story. We definitely would love to hear from you guys at home. And like we said earlier, we hope you guys had a great holiday and, you know, hopefully have a little money left over from spending from Black Friday and, you know, Cyber Monday and Small Business Saturday and Giving Tuesday and, you know, every day is something else. So, you know, it's just going to be spend, 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 spend. And thank you everyone who did take advantage of the sale we had over on our Tee Public store. We don't talk a lot about the Tee Public store up here on the net, on the podcast, but we actually got, you know, a lot of folks were buying from it and because everything was up to 40% off. So I think it was yeah, pretty cool. Solid. We've got some yeah. solid numbers out of it. And thank you as always. Always, And that, that new ESO network logo that you designed, Mike, is is really cool. So it's I'm not selling. surprised that's it's not sell, that, that is selling. That's, but, uh, that's an awesome logo. No, I like that one got a lot of hits. Um, the new um, the new Earth Station Who logo got a lot of hits because it's a retro look back at Doctor Who and, you know, based off of what Disney is doing now for Doctor Who. But we'll talk about that on Earth Station Who and such. But we also have, you know, a lot of people were buying Earth Station Trek stuff. People were buying monkeying around stuff. People were buying a flock of, I think somebody bought a Flopcast t-shirt. So, yeah, a lot of folks are buying yeah. different shows of the ESO Network. And thank you, thank you. And you can find the T Public store if you go into T Public itself. Just type in Earth Station One or ESO Network, and you could find us up there. But if you want, you could also just go to the ESO Network webpage or Earth Station One webpage, and we do have links up there to the wonderful stores up there. So check it out. Definitely check out yeah, our T Public stuff. Must be easy to use because if a chicken can order a Flopcast T-shirt uh, or merchandise, then you know, like people won't shouldn't have a problem with it. Oh, I don't think it's going to be a problem at all. So it's pretty cool. So definitely check it out, folks. And you know, as you always, we'd like to say, if you get a chance, please subscribe to our show. We would really always appreciate you guys doing that. And if you have a chance, also, you know, rate us up on youtube you know because we got the brand new youtube channel and we have been getting hits um up there and thank you thank you for people who have been watching the videos and who have been giving us thumbs up and i think we've only gotten one thumbs down but that's that's neither here nor there i don't that, care that was my mom okay i figured uh, your mom's always been against us anyway yeah. so it's okay it's true it's true yeah. my mom I, thumbs down my videos on there too so it does happen uh, 
Yeah. It really does happen. So it's yeah. definitely fun to check it out. So check out the YouTube channel for Earth Station One. And we'll be up here with this and talk about Weird Al. And it'll be a ton of fun to be able to play around with different graphics and things like that. And you know what? It'll be a lot of fun just to have, you know, check it out. So check out our YouTube channel. And you know what? For those who are more traditional and like subscribing, you can find us up on Amazon. You you can find us on Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, Google, wherever fine podcasts are found. Our station one's there with them. So definitely check it out. Also, a big shout out to our patrons. Our patrons are our lifeblood. All you have to do is for as little as a dollar a month, you could help support the ESO network. And you can have some amazing quality material. You could even take a shot at the geek seat. Even Nick, you know, he did. He took a shot at it, and he hasn't left yet. So look at what happened. Do it, y'all. Yeah. So definitely check it out, ESO Patreon. And you know what? Just go to Patreon.com/slash ESO Network. Also, before I forget. Let's do a big shout out to our friends over at Tifosi Optical. Tifosi Optical is having some amazing Cyber Week sales. And you know what? As a way of saying thank you, on top of what they have on sale at Tifosi Optical, they have amazing sunglasses, gamer glasses, blue light blocking glasses, safety goggles. You name it, they have it up there. They are having a huge sale on everything right now, folks. But if you put in the coupon code EarthStation1, though, you actually get 10% off your whole order. Not just one pair, but your whole order. So it's pretty cool. And if you have, like with me, I need prescription glasses to see. So you know what? I do understand what it's tough. And I do like a good pair of sunglasses. They will take your prescription and actually make it into your sunglasses. Pretty cool. Check out the folks at TifosiOptics.com. Put it in. I'm tired of people thinking I'm some kind of joke. Your dad and I agreed it would be best if you just stop being who you are and doing the things you love. My whole life, all I wanted... I'm afraid we found your son at a polka party. Just to make up new words to a song that already exists. Oh. Well, you should do that then. Who my, my, my little hungry one? Hungry one. Open up a package of my banana. Dude, I've got chills. Every once in a great while, I can spot a talent that I know is the future of music. First, we gotta find you a stage name. Al Yankovic. It's long, it's hard to pronounce. So I'm just gonna throw this out there. Weird Al Yankovic. I love it. Weird Al has taken the world by storm. Do I know you? Madonna, I was wondering if you were going to do a parody of my song, Like a Virgin. I'm curious, is that song autobiographical yes <laughs> except for the fact that i've had a lot of sex let me one creative genius that doesn't have a checkered past involving alcohol that's the medicine and drugs i think madonna's a bad influence on you what no offense i'm a train wreck my parents wrote me off I pushed away my band. You're all just a bunch of normals. I'm the weird one. 
You gotta take care of yourself. I saw in you something special. An artist with something to give to the world. In front of all the billions of people watching around the world right now, all I want to say is be as weird as you want to be. You will never find true happiness so you can truly accept who you are. Thank you. Al, you can't smoke in here. <laughs> I totally deserve that. We are going to be looking at, that's right, weird, the Al Yankovic story. So it should be a ton of fun to be able to talk all about it. And I'll be the first one out there to say it. When they announced that Daniel Radcliffe was going to be playing, you know, Weird Al, I was just like, what? What? You know, I was like floored by that one. Honestly, I was extremely excited about it. Really? Why? Really? I think Daniel Radcliffe, since he got out of Harry Potter, um, there is a movie that he made called Swiss Army Man. That is a total departure from Harry Potter itself like complete departure i think he's incredibly versatile i'm like you know what let's see what he can do and i would do i was just giving him a chance and when i saw rain wilson was dr demento i'm like all right i'm in like i'm in i want to see this i want to see more i i gotta be honest right off the rip half this movie is a total piece of crap but it is it is it was really, got really, really bad. And then I just had to dig and like, then I saw Toby Huss plays his dad. Mm-hmm. And I went, okay. Like I'm, I'm in, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm good. You know I mean, Toby Huss was a character in one of my favorite TV shows as a kid of all time. When he played Artie in Pete and Pete. Oh, sure. Mm. Yeah, of course. Yeah, already the strongest man in the world. And I mean, when he did that, I'm like, okay, that's great. And then he's done several things since then. But I'm like, okay. And then they introduced Madonna. And I went, uh oh. Oh, no. <laughs> well, let me give you a little history. Have you well, have you ever seen Weird Al in concert? I, I have seen a bootleg. <laughs> I totally obtained for. for good reasons when weird al used used to tour with his full tour and everything yeah. not his unplugged stuff that he's been doing in the last you know last two years and stuff he used to be like the master of changing costumes he used yep. to show videos in between songs and everything and one of the things that he did um was a biography of himself and it was actually you know it was similar to what we got with weird with his, you know, relationship with Madonna and everything like that. And it was just, it was real interesting because I think it was Olivia Wilde in that one was Madonna. And I think, you know, and it was, was it, um, who was, I don't remember who weird, who was weird. Al, Aaron Paul. Was it Aaron Paul? That's right. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, that was, that was produced by Funny or Die in 2010. Yeah. And, uh, the same writer and director. Eric yep. Eric Appel, uh, who did uh, this full. So it's this is a full blown movie version, extended version, extended remix, if you will, of that short film they did for Funny or Die. 
Um, and, uh, you know, nobody makes better parody films, in my opinion, than Funny or Die. Although I don't, haven't seen a lot from them lately, but, uh, but, um, yeah. So it was interesting. I hadn't really remembered that. I think when I saw them in concert, they, they played that once in between costume changes. They did. Um, and, uh, but, you know, that environment is not really conducive to watching a movie, like, cause you're at a concert and you're like, oh, okay, we're looking at the screen, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, so I hadn't really seen it or really noticed, took any notice of it. And I know, Mike, I know you're, you are the uber, uh, Yankovic fan. Uh, you've seen him multiple times on this tour and, uh, you've seen him multiple times, period. Yeah. Um, and so I know you were, you were jazzed for this. I was okay with it. I was like, I'm interested in it. I like Weird Al. Um, I hadn't, I hadn't really recalled the 2010 movie. Um, but I did recall because recently, I think a year or so ago, we reviewed UHF on this uh, podcast. We did. And, and I had never seen UHF before. And I thought it was okay. It was a little too much for me, but I thought it was okay. Um, so I didn't know what to expect going into this. I thought, okay, if we're getting a hundred percent of Weird Al Yankovic, this could be great or it could be like, eh, too little too much. Um, but I will say, uh, watching this and B, man, getting the Roku channel, not an easy thing to do if you don't have a Roku. Let me just put that out there. Um, and, uh, so it's not really, I wish this movie could be available to more people. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, if that expands out. I'm sure there's going to be a DVD release and all that kind of stuff. Oh, of course there is. Um, but, uh, it's already scheduled for DVD release. I thought this movie was brilliant. I thought it was brilliant all the way through. I thought it, I love this movie. I don't think I've laughed at a movie, uh, as much as I have, uh, in a long time. It, it, it's, this was, this was everything I, expected but way so much more but in a good way um the way i can put a parallel on it is the way we weird al satires songs the way he sat he's so brilliant at mimicking uh song styles music styles and just you know obviously he's known for changing the lyrics to certain songs but also more than that as you well know mike he's he does original quote unquote original songs but he does them in styles of all across the board him and his band when they play concerts they go from playing country to pop to hard rock to r&b like they switch it up and they're they're competent every step of the way and and we are weird al is leading that charge and just like he does that with music this film does it for so many different film genres um i mean every single scene is a satire of a something you've seen in a movie before um whether it's a music biopic whether it's a family drama whether it's a chuck norris movie whether it's a i mean it's like it's constantly here um i know we're going to do a little bit of spoilers here but um I'll, you know but there were some things that i just blew my mind like they referenced like the Doors concert where Jim Jim Morrison got arrested. I was like, once I realized what they were doing, I was like, this is brilliant. Like, this is just outstanding. Um, Everybody was fun to watch. I just thought it was so much fun. And the rewatch value on this is, is really amazing. Um, I'm I'm all in on this. The wonderful thing about this movie too, is every scene 
you have to look and you'll notice celebrity cameo after celebrity cameo. After oh, sure. celebrity, and it's just awesome to be able to see. Yeah. I think the only truths in this movie is there is a Madonna. There is an yeah. Al Yankovic and there yeah. is a Dr. Demento. Yeah. And well, there was a Pablo Escobar. Oh yes, yeah. there was. Pablo there was. Escobar and, and, was and every everybody at the pool party. Look, yeah. all you have to do is just take any scene from the pool party and freeze frame it. And it's amazing how many like everybody yeah. there. Everybody in there's nobody just in shorts and a t-shirt yeah. in the background. Everybody yeah. on that show is everybody in those scenes are somebody rep- like representing some sort of novelty or yeah. weird act from the 80s yeah or i gotta uh, give it, it I, was just I, awesome yeah i gotta give credit where credit's due and that was probably my favorite scene but i gotta ask what what was your favorite uh, ca- uh celebrity cameo oh thing? wow that's that's like saying who's your favorite child yeah. you know type thing right. <laughs> because you know yeah. it, 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 it was awesome see, it was awesome seeing jack black as wolfman jack it was awesome seeing uh, conan <laughs> o'brien as andy warhol emo phillips as salvador oh, dolly that was conan o'brien yeah holy crap that's right wow yeah yeah that would kind of took me a minute though, but everybody else I got. But I mean, when Jack Black showed up as Wolfman Jack, I was crying. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't was... know. Emo Phillips as Salvador Dali yeah. blew my mind. I felt fell out of my chair that Salvador Dali was there and yeah. that he was being played by Emo Phillips. I just was like, oh my god, this is like <laughs> if if you're not on board with this. Yeah. Then this movie is going to fail for you. And yeah. I understand that this movie isn't for everybody. Yeah. Um like you said Nick it's it, like a lot of it is is garbage if you're not in on that, right? If you if you don't like that sort of thing. Well, um but fortunately for me, I yeah. I uh I was all in. This is like I feel like this is one of the best things Al's ever done. I got to say, though, no, it is a really good Weird Al movie. I just think in the parts that are garbage, I just think the Madonna storyline went on way too long. I agree with that. I, 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 that, don't, that, I don't disagree with you at all. why I say it's garbage, because there's a lot of other stuff if you're into it. And I've been a very big Weird Al Yankovic fan for a very long time. I just think if that was truncated a little bit, in my head, when I'm doing it and I'm critiquing this, there could have been like a few more scenes where you could have done a little more Weird Al stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, but the scene yeah. when yeah. Weird, when Al was a little boy and the yeah. accordion salesman shows up and what the father does to the accordion salesman. <laughs> oh, my God. That is just you find awesome. out the reason why towards the end that even made that even funnier. Oh, very much so. Yeah, all that stuff was such a great satire, and yeah. and on everything that you see in these family movies, these biopics, these everything, the whole like, we just want to, you know, we just want you to stop doing what you love, exactly. uh, you know, and stop being yourself. Just stop like, being that's, yourself. That's 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 that's, that's, that's what. Yourself, stop doing what you love. <laughs> and oh. from that to the uh, accordion salesman to the polka party was. I mean, I look like I said, I was on my floor. I just thought that was so funny. He was busted. He got busted for being at a polka party. Um, I mean, it just doesn't stop. And the whole thing about the factory and what do they make there and all this stuff. I, I really, I think, 
Oh, the scene when I they guess... were at the factory and he pushes the button and the flames come out yeah. in here when the woman <laughs> starts screaming. The uh I, I I don't know if I would say that the Madonna stuff storyline went on too long, but I think that needed to happen in order for us to get the ending that we got. Uh, I had to go over the top and then push it to limit. I mean, I didn't expect to see a, a uh, you know, Sylvester Stallone slash Chuck Norris slash uh, Rob Van Dam slash action movie in this parody. And yet... I should because Al likes doing that sort of thing. Yeah. He did it in UHF. He's done it before. He loves to, doing um, send-ups of that sort of stuff. This movie also, I don't know if it really speaks to anybody who was not around in the early 80s. I mean, this movie takes place between, like, well, uh, the the adult Weird Al from, like, I don't know, like, 80 to 85, really, right? Well, when he sadly assassinated at the... Uh... Yeah. It was so sad. It was, it was it was so sad. But you knew it was yeah. coming because you knew that happened to him. Yeah, that is the yeah that is the parody that you. Were it's it's to. it's it's no less shocking, even though you know it. It's going to happen. I thought what was funny is that Weird Al was in it himself. Oh yeah, yeah. As, one of, as one of the he Scotty brothers. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it was awesome, and Will Forte as the other brother was awesome. When uh, Weird Al burnt him with a cigarette, I deserve that. That <laughs> <It> was just. <laughs> Which was just I uh I also appreciated the fact that Al put new vocals on a lot of his early material. Yeah. Um I guess that makes the soundtrack a little bit more easier to sell because it's not just retreads of his old stuff, it's actually newer right. versions. Um I I was surprised that Daniel didn't get to sing at all, but I guess even Weird Al says he kind of regrets not having him sing at least one song. Um just to to have him do it. But um but I, I thought the vocals were strong. The songs sounded better than they have uh, in a while. Um, I think it's important also. It's that trope that it's like you when you make a movie about the 80s, when you make a movie about something that people are familiar with, you don't make a movie that's accurate to the actual fact and reality of that. You make a movie that lives up to everybody's memory of it. Yeah. And this movie, like, this movie is, like, perfect for, like, Al in the eighties. Like this is, this is a, a perfect uh, um, compilation of a lot of stuff that Al was into and that what made Al like so big um, during that time period. And I think it's just done in a way that, like I said, it's a parody of all these other movies that I just had to, I couldn't help but appreciate as a movie fan. It it was a ton of fun, and that's what you wanted with it. And I love how people, you know, when the first question they ask in the interviews they've had with Al is like, what is your relationship with Madonna? And in all real true life, he says, well, I think I met her for like 45 seconds at an award yeah. show. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if she's commented on this movie at all. I can't imagine she probably would even give it credence, but... Uh, she probably talked to her lawyers about it, and they were like, "Well, there's nothing we can do. It's parody." And she's like, "All right, screw it. Um, I got more like flesh to expose on Instagram." Um, so I, that's probably what she did. I don't know. I don't. You know, I don't think this is a a a a it, like most of Weird Al's other material. When he when he parodies people, he's not mean about it. He's no. not. It's not a mean. This is not a mean movie. This is not a mean depiction. I mean. Maybe it doesn't do Madonna any favors, but it's not like it's not done in, in a mean spirited way. 
Um, and I thought uh, Rachel Evan Wood was perfectly cast. I thought almost everybody was perfectly cast. As you mentioned, Nick, Rain Wilson was amazing. As uh, Dr. Demento. As Dr. Demento, yeah. Oh, I, I love the scene when he was like, yeah. I, I want to adopt you, Al. Oh, yeah. I just made up with I my dad. I just made up with my dad. <laughs> I, I was I, I was watching the movie with Michelle, and I think the the uh, as a Queen fan, when John Deacon came out, of course yeah. played by somebody else, um, I think we both lost it because we did not expect to see John Deacon uh, in a movie about Weird Al. Um, but there he was. But I think when she started going, uh, I'm not really on bo- sure about I'm on board with this movie. Was when they you know parody the whole thing about eat a bad uh, no sorry beat it being a parody of eat it mm-hmm. like she was like uh and i i thought it was hilarious i thought that they did that really well especially when when al says i think at one point he says i don't want to be associated with that michael jackson guy like i just thought that was like really awesome because I'm, that's probably how he feels now now he doesn't because he won't do oh. any of those those things in concert because of right yeah he, doesn't, yeah he doesn't do michael jackson anymore live yeah, I think when we saw him, Mike, at the yeah. chest in, I think he did bad or fat. But he did he did fat, but he won't do eat it anymore. Yeah. And so and I think he was starting to phase uh fat out also. And yeah. I thought it was funny as hell when <laughs> you saw the mother had gained all the weight and yeah. she was like quoting some of the lyrics of, of fat. fat. And it was like, he's like, I have a great idea. And it said, it's for Amish paradise, right? Exactly. <laughs> that part had me rolling on the floor. Honestly, when they're like, okay, they're kind of leading to it. You're like, okay, you know, Toby Hutz, the dad grew up Amish. And I'm like, okay, they're going to do that. They're going to do it. I'm like, come on, let it go. He's like, wait, I have the, these lyrics are great. He's like, I've never done that. I let that dream die. And I'm like, oh, okay, now they're going to do that. But what got me was when they're looking in the audience to see Coolio just seething. Oh, I know. <laughs> right, Which is right. awesome. Like, perfect, perfect call to that to that issue. There was <laughs> a lot of, like, there was a lot of scenes where it took me out a little bit because I was uncomfortable because there are a lot of people, especially recently, characters and actors that have died uh, that are associated with this. Michael Jackson being one of them. Right. Uh, Gallagher uh, being another most recent one. Died a month ago, right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. so that was kind of, I mean, it, that's going to happen. You're but gonna, it's just you're going to have that in any kind of parody type thing. Right. Or and, any kind of biopic, really. Yeah, well, yeah. exactly. And because it's history. And yeah. not real history, but it's history. <laughs> and and that was the one. No, this is thing. this is his story. Yeah. yeah, but I thought yeah. Daniel Radcliffe was amazing in this role. Yes, yeah, yeah. I cannot, yeah. I cannot speak so highly enough about the guy, and yeah. it was, it was awesome. And he even grew the mustache, yeah, and everything, which was awesome. I really can't wait to see what he's going to do next. In all honesty, he he does these really far out stretches to get off that Harry Potter gig. Yeah do something different i mean he just he's he's doing something and he really is a super versatile bizarre actor yeah i think this is his best performance that i've seen him in now i haven't seen him in a lot i've seen him in all the harry potter movies and i saw women in black um but i haven't seen like a lot of his other stuff so um there was something else i've seen though but i can't 
don't yeah. know what that was. But yeah. anyway, he's he's so good in this, not just playing Weird Al or playing this fantasy version of yeah. Al, but also just his comedic timing, his chemistry right. with the other actors. I mean, he's just, he is really solid. Yeah, I I think the one thing I would probably suggest, I mean, it's on the Daniel Radcliffe thing. I would say if you could stomach it, watch Swiss Army Man. Hmm. Just to see the, ver- like, it's it gets a little odd because he's playing a guy who's dead. Mm-hmm. And it, it's a, a semi-realistic corpse. Spoilers. But, yeah. But uh, that that doesn't spoil it at all, really, and honestly. But it is just to see his range to go to go because that was one of the first things he did off of Harry Potter once it was done. Because he's really trying to do like um like the dude who played uh what that what's the guy who's playing Batman right now? Oh, uh, Pat- Robert Patrick. Yeah, yeah, no, Pattinson. 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 Yeah. yeah, thank you. Yeah, but I mean, the guy who's doing Twilight for so long is like, okay, I made my money, and you know, Daniel Radcliffe is going to be making royalties off of Harry Potter for the rest of his life. You know, his children and children's children probably won't have to work too hard. You know, so he's going to be doing that. So he's like, I'm going to do these bizarro little movies. You know, those bizarro little things. I think he's he's going to come back and do more stuff that's just going to be even better than yeah. this. Yeah. And I, I will, I will, that's the hill I'll die on, you know? I'm, well, if you must, okay. Yeah. He, uh, he was born in 89, but yeah. he still really looks like he's like in his twenties. Um, and I think that kind of hurts him a little bit. I think as he gets so. like older, looks yeah. older maybe because he doesn't look, in this, he doesn't look like he's, you know, very old. Um, and so that's the only thing physically about him that I think keeps him from, uh, you know, getting a lot more substantial roles. Um, but it's certainly not his abilities because his abilities are great. And I, I, like I said, I can't wait to see him in other things. Exactly. It, it was interesting to see and knowing how different Weird Al is in real life com- right. compared to what you saw up on the screen oh yeah was was funny as heck and yeah that's that's the ultimate parody right because weird al is nothing like this in real life al yankovic is the nicest sweetest guy uh you could ever hope to meet one of the most genuine people in the business um and he's had a lot of crap to deal with um i couldn't help but be a little sad every time they showed his parents in this movie well, right. yeah. well, the way his parents um, died. Yes, the way his parents passed away and everything. So for him to, you know, overcome that stuff and, and sort of still have fun with it. Uh, I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty brave. I don't think uh, I don't think his artistic merits are ever going to be fully recognized uh, because of just what he does. It's not really taken seriously. But, you know, I mean, look. He's laughing all the way to the bank, so I'm not. I'm not. You know, and I, I don't feel sorry. I don't feel too sorry for him. No, not at all. And if you ever can get a chance to see his first live concert DVD, his parents come out at the very beginning to introduce Al at yeah. the, in the really? yes, in the, That's the cool. yeah. So <laughs> it's pretty cool to be able to see, and they they captured them really, really well in this movie. What? Uh, well, at least the look, not the yeah. 
attitude and everything. Oh, yeah, I got you. Yeah. But it but it was it was a ton of fun and it is a great parody of behind the music or you know and nice. that type of thing that they yeah. used to do on VH1 and stuff. And so Oh yeah. It was it was perfect. And if you haven't seen this folks, it is coming out on disc probably into in the new year and so you just don't need the Roku channel to be able to see it. It is worth seeing if you have any interest in a good movie. And if you're like Weird Al, it's just a plus and everything. I, I, I would say I think that might be essential. If you are a in any way a Weird Al fan, see this movie. Um, your mileage may vary, but I think there's something in here for everybody who's a Weird Al fan. If you do not like Weird Al, if you do not like his style of music, his his performance, whatever, stay away from this because this is 100% Weird Al. Like, this is, like, I don't think they could have made a better Weird Al movie. Mm-hmm. Um, although I would love to see them try at a sequel. I, I got a point. Well, exactly. The zombie yeah. Al. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it's I, one that just completely ignores, like, yeah. the events of this one. You yeah. know, it tells a totally yeah. different story. And I, I I was thinking of that too because when I um I was thinking about like the Madonna thing is just that they truncated it a little bit just to add a little a little bit if we had a different version of it I would have loved to see them because I was thinking in my head why didn't they touch on UHF or something on the making of it and I love the fact that you know as they go like everything he touched turned to gold. Mm. I'd love to see a scene and just I just want to let this out for you guys and just see if this is anyways good like he creates UHF and you know that was like the most unlucky movie of all time mm. you know released the same day Back to the Future 2 was released or something and you know on the same day and it totally tanks like he releases the movie and Steven Spielberg quits <laughs> Yeah, something something with a joke with that would have been would have been pretty. Yeah, funny. just to see that that one scene, I would be like, okay, good. At least he got his like he immediately like they bulldoze or blow up the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he gets that one star in front of the Chinese theater. <laughs> like, like that, you know, I mean, they like, boom. That's. <laughs> So good, so good. Well, uh, any last thoughts uh, about uh, Weird, the Yankovic story for me, Nick? I thought it was really, like, I mean, parts of it were garbage, but, I mean, I agree with you guys. I've been a long-time Weird Yankovic fan. Um, Do either of you remember when he had his special on uh, MTV that played for a while in the Mm mid-'90s? The Al TV? The Al TV special? Yep. I mean, I, I, I wanted to like at least where I could say the parts I didn't like where it slowed to a crawl, and I wanted to see different things. But at least it left me wanting to see more. And there was a sketch that I remember that kind of like I remember seeing it, and it pretty much just shaped my idea of comedy, or at least one of many. Where like during the special where he's fighting with a fan and he accidentally throws the fan over the roof. You know, on, you know, onto the street, and the fan gets run over by a bulldozer, and it's like, oh no, how do you know? And the fan's like, Al, what did you do? I'm gonna grab a pen for effect, but Al, what did you do? Oh my god! And he holds up a stick of Mentos, <laughs> and just smiles, 
Oh, and then they just leave and nobody says a word about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that is really, he is truly a Berlin comedian on his own. He is. Oh, he not is. Only, yeah. Not only of the songs, but he is truly a funny person. Mm-hmm. Oh, very He's much like, so. I mean, like, I just, I wanted to see more. And I agree with you. If there's a, if there's a sequel to this, ignore all the facts and just do a totally different story. Yeah, just like, yeah, yeah. I just act yeah. like the whole, like, third yeah. act of this movie never takes place. Yeah, mm-hmm. or just ignore that or do something like, you know, he does that where he gets shot and they do a parody of North. And it was a dream, like, he wakes up in a furniture store and it was a dream the entire time and it just restarts all over again. Mm-hmm. No, 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 Actually, I got to contact Eric and we and Al about this because I think this will work. You know, yeah. you do a parody of the whole, like, Elvis Live stuff. Like, people think that Al's still alive, even though he's not like it. Like, it's like, I mean. I, I saw I Al at like, the Bur- working at the Burger King in Oklahoma yeah, City. Yeah, <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. I would love but to play around. He has his long hair look and shave the mustache off. Yeah, he like, yeah, that's like, the way, that, that's the way the movie opens with all these people, like this conspiracy saying that maybe he's really alive and all this stuff, like. You know, um, that would be really cool. And then, you know, then he, then he like breaks out and he's just alive and then he, you know, does other stuff, but that would be his death. But, uh, anyway, um, so I gave you that for free, Eric and Al. So, um, you know, if you want to throw a little biz my way, please do. Um, Mike, any last words, uh, or at least for now, for For weird, for weird, it was, it's go see it folks. If you haven't, if you have watch it again. It is so worth it. I've watched it three times, and each time you see someone different, another celebrity you hadn't seen, or you know you hear, you know a different talk, or you see a different parody of a different type of movie. It's it's just worth it, and all. And to see the LSD scene with between Rain Wilson and Daniel Radcliffe, you know, alone is worth it, and you know. Dr. Demento in a bathtub. Come on. That's that's just awesome. <laughs> so there you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I love this movie. Um I uh definitely it's gonna make my best of the year uh for this year. Um it, I did not know what to expect going in. I didn't expect a lot to be quite honest with you, and maybe that's why I was even more blown away by how good and funny this was. Uh, but the parodies, uh, as you the rewatch value, as you said, Mike, is going to be priceless on this because every time I rewatch it, I'm going to see something else that I'm going to be like, oh my god, I can't believe they're satiring that. Um, so very cool. Well, um, yeah, thumbs all thumbs up for weird the Al Yankovic story. So as Mike said, see it if you can. And um, Mike, I think uh, that concludes this re- this section of the show. Right, we're gonna we're gonna take a break now. Yep, and we're finally kicking Nick out of the station. So there you go. Oh man, we finally—is it finally time for him to finally leave? Man, I mean, talk about over—you know, overstaying your welcome. Jeez, I can see. All right. (laughs) (laughs) It's been—it's been great to have you, man. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be back in a moment. And we're going to be talking all about Andor.
ask yourself one question, punk. What the hell is a cigar nerd? Welcome to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. It's the only show where two guys smoke cigars and talk about nerd culture. Do you like movies, games, comics, sci-fi, pop culture, and beer? Do you like science, nerd news, explosions for no apparent reason? Then this is the show for you. It's like being in a nerdy cigar shop, but for your ears. Check us out at CigarNerdPodcast.com. from the Empire you just walk in like you belong they're so proud of themselves so fat and satisfied they can't imagine that someone like me would ever get inside their house Cassian Ander the Empire is choking us so slowly we're starting not to notice what I'm asking is this. Wouldn't you rather give it all to something real? I need all the heroes I can get. For the greater good. Call it what you will. Let's call it war. It's fermenting out there, son. Pockets of fermenting. You're in my net. Are you a fish? Or are you a thief? You're slipping. <laughs> I'm not slipping. I've just been hiding for too long. As long as everyone thinks I'm an irritation. There's a good chance they'll miss what I'm really doing. What are you really doing? This is what revolution looks like. I'm tired of losing. Welcome back to Earth Station One. Now it is time to talk all about Star Wars and or Mr. Mike, ready to take us away? Yes, we are talking about a series on Disney Plus. It's a prequel to a prequel. So um, uh, this was a, um, well, we'll get into expectations. But first, I'll introduce the crew that we have with us. Of course, our Star Wars person, Ashley Pauls, is here with us. Oh, thank you. I am always excited to come back to the station to talk about my favorite franchise. And uh, Jennifer is back with us on the station, too. Welcome back, Jennifer. It's been a while. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be back. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so let's get right into the expectations for this series. Uh, Jennifer, we'll start with you. What were your expectations going in? Uh, Were you excited for this series? Did you feel it was necessary? And then overall... Uh, Were you satisfied after the season finale? I was pretty excited about it. I enjoyed the 
uh, movie, Rogue One. Um, okay. And one of the things that I was looking forward to is, uh, I was actually talking to my boyfriend about this before, because it isn't really the, all of the other movies and programs had um, characters that we know from the original trilogy. Uh, and having something like this, while there is an association with it now, because we know that Rogue One goes right up to the beginning of episode four. Uh, but the series, though, because there aren't really any um, big names in there at all, that you can explore the whole idea about the Empire and the Rebellion and how people felt about it without tripping over anybody's toes. So there would be a certain amount of freedom in the TV show. Uh, mm. that you wouldn't have in something like uh, the Mandalorian or um, right. the uh, Boba Fett or Kenobi. Um, so I was really looking forward to uh, being able to see something different. And I thought it would be a little bit more dramatic because um, Rogue One was dramatic um, and I enjoyed it. I quite liked it as the, uh, for the star Wars TV shows, the non-animated ones, cause I haven't really seen any of the animated ones. I think it was probably my favorite. Ah, very good. Very good. Um, yeah, it's, uh, definitely interesting that you're right. They, there's only about a handful of recognizable characters from the star Wars universe that we encounter in this series. So most of most everybody is new. Um, mm -hmm. so that does give, them a lot to play around with. Um, Ashley, what about you? What uh, what were your thoughts going into the show? Yeah, so I really enjoyed Rogue One. I thought it was a great film and also just was impressed that they committed to the fully the tragic storytelling in that movie. I mean, how we got attached to the characters and then they all sacrificed their lives for the rebellion. So if we are going to get to know the characters a little better, it basically has to be a prequel and i really enjoyed uh diego uh luna's present um performance so i was excited to see him get to play this role again and yeah i was really looking forward to it i will say that the show is a little bit different than what i expected maybe just because rogue one i feel like is such a high intensity you feel like something's you can feel like the countdown till the Death Star is going to fire and they have a very limited amount of time to steal right. those plans. Whereas Andor is very much of a slow burn and it's probably the most non-Star Wars-y Star Wars show we've seen yet. I don't necessarily <laughs> mean that as a criticism, but nope, um, I get it. There are no Jedi or Force things, which just happened to be my personal favorite thing of Star Wars. So I feel like Andor is a show that I didn't immediately love it as much as I was hoping to, but I feel like it's one that will grow on me over time as I chew on it and come to appreciate it and accept it for what it is. I think there's some really great character-based um, storytelling and ideas like mixing around with some of the morally gray corners of Star Wars. And so I think that this is one that's going to reward repeat viewings i'm really curious to see what happens in the second season because i feel like this show will reward a future binge watch just watching it all together mm. as one overarching story but yeah i would say that they managed to surprise me it was a little bit different than what i was expecting it was really great to see mon mothma and just some of the tension 
involved in starting this rebellion and some of the moral compromises characters have to make. So just really fascinating. And again, nice to see some new faces and some new characters that we haven't met before. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of feel like, um, I mean, both of you said it's a little different and I kind of feel like Mandalorian and everything that Filoni and Favreau have given us, uh, you know, we've made the analogy before, but it's like two kids playing in their sandbox with the action yes. figures, you know, whereas this is like, no, no, this is the adult's table. <laughs> like this is, yeah. this is not like playing around with action figures. This is like, we're talking about, we're just getting serious about like, a lot of the themes and a lot of the events that are happening in the Star Wars universe, we're, we're taking that perspective from it. When you've got the guy who was the, uh, a Academy Award nominated director and writer, as well as a uh, producer, a uh, showrunner of house of cards, like that, that you you know, you're going to get something, you know, dare I say more mature, more adult, right? It's more, it's going to be different type storytelling. Um, Mike, what did you feel about this going in? It was interesting, too, because like Ashley and Jen, I really enjoyed seeing, you know, Rogue One. And you had a much more mature Andor in it. You had, you know, he was, he's seen a lot of stuff. He's been working with the Rebellion for quite some time at, by that point. And it was interesting to see a much younger, more immature version of him and somebody who didn't really want to get involved with, you know, he wanted was, you know, he had his own little rackets going, you know, stealing stuff from the empire and, you know, borrowing and stealing stuff from spaceships and stuff. And he was also searching for his sister at the, at the very beginning of this. And it was interesting to find, you know, how, he was being pulled into it and you know he was being used basically as cannon fodder for this and it was interesting with it to bring his character you know in the very final scene of the season you know all right kill me or have me have me bring me on board because i want to get involved because of everything that was being seen. And he was, you know, by his mother, music air quotes, because, you know, being used to, you know, being prepped to, you know, help with a rebellion against the empire. And it was, and it you could feel through this whole series, the tension building and building and building. In some ways, this you know, it was set in the Star Wars universe, but it felt more like an episode of Firefly in some ways. It, mm. you know, it, yeah. it, it could, you know, could be almost that kind of universe. And it was more gritty. It was more dirty. It was more political. It was more, you know, it, you didn't have heroes in this one. You had gray and gray and, and black because you had the Empire being the black. But you didn't have any white shining knights in this one, which was really interesting. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, um, I uh, I was I liked Rogue One. I was okay with Rogue One. I thought I was like, oh, that's cool. But I didn't love it. Um, but I didn't have any serious problems with it. 
But when they announced that they were making a series about Andor, I was kind of like, uh, I didn't even remember that was the character's name. Actually, um, you know, in addition to being a Star Wars fan, I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And every time I hear Andor, I think of the Andorians and I'm like, why is Star Wars be making a series about the Andorians? Um, but uh, <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, was, I keep But thinking, Mikey, I was, I was, with, I was with you, too. I thought the planet was Andor at the beginning. Yeah, I keep thinking Andor is a place, not a like, and it, you know, it, it, it does sound like Endor, too. So it, there is that mix up there, but too. And so, um but uh, and I thought watching this the first I just, so I went in kind of like, OK, well, I'm watching it. It's Star Wars. I'm going to watch it. Um, so uh, the first two episodes, I was like, man, this is really well made. But man, nothing is really happening. Like it is like slow. Um, <laughs> and uh, and then like the third episode, I'm glad they aired like the, the first two episodes, like the same week. They released them the same week. Because then you could watch those, but like if you had to like wait another week for the second one, and then by the time the third one's like, you're like, well, I'll just see that in whatever. Um, but because you know, you get the third episode, and I think that they do like three episode arcs this whole season, so you get like, yeah, so the usually the third episode is the one like the first two are set up, and the third episode is like some sort of something really big happens. Um, and uh, and like you guys were saying, it is like a um unlike the 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 countdown to the big event that is Rogue One this is like you said actually this is a slow burn this is like a um sort of um you know you're lighting in, in the first episode you started lighting the the uh, gunpowder and you're just waiting for it to get to the barrel until the final episode of the season when it literally like explodes um and uh and yeah i mean i think this is like the start of we're seeing the beginnings of the revol of the rebel rebellion here um and uh it's the fact that it's ordinary people not um jedis not force sensitive people we don't even i don't even know if anybody mentions the force in this uh we don't certainly have anybody wielding a lightsaber although there's one character that i'm like it's possible he was a former jedi um i was thinking the same thing <laughs> that staff you know it looks it looks like it could be uh, a former lightsaber there's a nerd guy on youtube who had somebody contribute and say that they thought that uh uh luthan was a former jedi because he has the same last name as some master oh wow okay yeah i think mm, it was yeah. like master rael luthan rael and gotcha. he, he went through the whole um if you want me to say the nerd's it. name on TV, it's uh, Ryan Airy. Okay. It's not his idea, though. Somebody mentioned it to him, and he gives credit to them on his show. And he was um, replaying the monologue about what have you given up? And the first thing that he says is calm, which is when you're a Jedi, you'll know what you know that you are right when you are calm. Um, yes. And he sort of itemizes all of those things. And he was also speculating that the cane that he has might be the one, you know, put it uh, put it away or put it down that it could be the uh it's his cane that expands but it could be you know like the old british uh avengers it could be a lightsaber in there mm-hmm. yeah Ooh. absolutely that's that and and to be honest with you i i didn't make that conclusion myself either um i listened to a podcast uh called decoding tv where they've been covering and or so they've been doing a great job with that too so shout out to them um and yeah that they were the ones that 
I think they had seen it somewhere else too. And there was a lot of speculation online that he was a former Jedi. Doesn't really matter though. I mean, he, Luthen is what he is in this and he's played by Stellan Skarsgård. So who cares? Like he's just so good. <laughs> um, Amazing. The, um, and that's really what drew me in. Uh, you know, I, I like Diego Luna to an extent, but I find it interesting that he's not, He's not the aggressive one in this. He doesn't push the story along. He gets swept along by the story. And it's not until, like you said, Mike, at the end, uh, again, we are doing spoilers. It's not until the end, that very last episode, the very last scene where he's like, I'm in. You know, he makes, he's like, he's finally like made the decision to actually do something. Um, And I I like that a lot. Um, But it was the other characters, the performances, the wonderful performances by people I knew like uh Skarsgard and uh oh, I'm losing his name now um uh the guy that was, no the guy that was in the prison uh Andy Circus Andy Circus yes, awesome. oh yes oh, yeah. um and then Forrest Whitaker and then some other actors I had never seen before uh at least not to my knowledge but they impressed me as well so um there's a lot of really great scenes in this some great character moments and that pushed me through uh, the whole series. And, of course, the ending, I felt like I was watching a series about, like you said, Mike, you said it was like Firefly. But I kept thinking, yeah, maybe it's because I'm from Massachusetts, but it's like, I kept thinking, like, this is like a series of, like, the, the Revolutionary War. Like, this is like, this is like everything that goes into building that. It's kind of like you get the, like, the Americans versus mm-hmm. the British here in a way that I don't think I've ever really thought about Star Wars before. And also you guys were mentioning that you thought that maybe Andor was the planet. And I don't know if this is what the reason why they gave him the name in the original movie, but Mm -hmm. uh, I think it makes a lot of sense for his name now because the show is sort of about the little people and how they Mm -hmm. felt about the empire and the rebellion. And the word Andros is Greek for man. So his name could just be Mm -hmm. like the The every man. Yeah. 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 And I also wondered, this is, sorry, this is just as an aside, when we were talking about his mother, Uh the only part about this whole thing that sort of rang false to me is he was basically kidnapped by this woman and her friend (laughs) when he was a child. Why is there no resentment? Like there wasn't even any kind of throwaway line like, I hated you until I learned how to speak English and figured out what you were doing or whatever language they're supposed to be speaking. But he just loves her. But he was... I mean, it's not like they kidnapped him when he was three and didn't remember. They took him from his planet and his family, and he spent the rest of his life looking for his sister. Why doesn't he resent them? Yeah. Well, I could ask also, why Why did he stop looking for his sister? Like, he, like once he's free and he has all the money, like, you'd think he, instead of running away, he'd be like, now I can, you know, use these resources to find my sister. But Maybe that's he realized gone. there are other that's... priorities. Yeah. Yeah. yeah partying. I guess no, no, but he, he, well, yes, that maybe he was going to relax a little bit and then look for his sister, but yeah, um, that makes sense. But I, yeah, I found like you know Cassian to be you know solid, but like I said, everybody else is really Carrie. I felt it was Carrie in the series, and that's the way I think it was written. It's supposed to be that way because you know he's a guy that's behind the scenes. It's the guys like you know Luthen and uh, the uh, and Kino Loy who circus plays and uh, the one, the woman who plays his mom, like they get some really great characters, like Emmy nominated, like speeches in this um, and scenes in this. 
but Andor doesn't like he or you know Cassian just is like you know um he just manages to stay alive and he's really and he's really good at staying alive which is the one thing that he does uh pretty much throughout this but uh but um we're gonna go um another round Uh, Ashley I'm gonna start with you this time what's something else about this series that you like to really appreciate it yeah, well, I, one thing that I noticed is kind of interesting is that um, I feel like Cassian and then the other guy working his way up through the Imperial ranks, I think his name is Cyril, Cyril are kind yeah. of oh, so are, yeah, are an interesting parallel because they're both kind of quote unquote nobodies in the system that end up becoming big players or at least want to be. So um, I'm still kind of waiting to what his deal is why he just loves the empire so much i feel like there's more to this character it will be interesting to see what happens when he achieves his goal if he thinks that the empire is still worth fighting for in the end so i'm kind of intrigued to see what happens with that character um i love the idea of luthan's cover for the rebellion being this antiquity shop i think that's really fascinating and his assistant seems like a cool character so i definitely want to learn more there and how he and mon mothma are working together and i did i thought it was really interesting to get to dive into more about her character and that her personal life you know she and her husband are seemed like they're somewhat strained and she has a difficult relationship with her daughter just so it's really in- yeah <laughs> just just a, just a tad just so it's slightly see- slightly yeah somebody that's such a hero in the rebellion i mean you when you contrast that with like leia and her mother and father in the extended universe how close she is with them and what an integral part they are in her life but mon mothma has kind of almost had to push her family away in order to get this rebellion going so just all the things that have been sacrificed. And then I think her cousin is an intriguing character too. I believe that's um, the woman leading the mission to go steal all the, um, the Imperial payroll. It's kind of interesting to see that too. So yeah, I feel like um, I agree with what you had said about um, Cassie Ender, not even being the most interesting character in this show. I feel like there's so many other interesting little side characters and, how they're all going to come together in the second season is going to be really fascinating. I think if yeah. they do come or together, not. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, like oh, that's the one thing about all these characters that are new. Like, you know, we don't, we never, we haven't seen them by the time Rogue One starts. So, you know, they might be cannon fodder. Who knows? Um, but because uh, this does, this show does seem to be about sacrifice. Yes. Now, what are you? How much are you willing to sacrifice um, for uh, freedom? And uh, freedom, not just for yourself, but for other people as well. Um, I want to stick with what you said, though. You kind of opened up with Karn. And I think Karn and uh, Miro, is that her name? Uh, The supervisor uh, for the Imperial Security Bureau. I think their their sort of relationship that builds throughout this is so interesting. And... uh, you know, at first I was kind of like, wow, are we supposed to feel sympathy for for Imperial people? And I didn't know if they were, you know, if they were possibly ever going to, like, defect, because that's why we we're spending time with them. So maybe we'll see them on the other side by the time this is way, this is over. Because Karn seems like, like he's after a murderer. So he's after justice. 
Um, now, of course, he wants a promotion and everything like that. He's really selfish. He's a little spoiled, selfish kid. We find oh, that out from big time, well, you know, big time, you know. But um, so what what did you think of Karn and Miro, uh, Jennifer? Uh, well, I with uh, Miro Dedra, I um, <laughs> turned to my boyfriend at one point and I'm like, I kind of want to see her fail. But she's the only competent person who she's working with. So I don't really want to see her fail because she knows what she's doing. She's And she's just, she's doing her job. She thinks what she's doing is right. Um, and uh, so, I mean, I, I mean, of course, I don't want her to win because she's on the wrong side of history, as it were. But she knew what she was doing. She played the game, but not even in a really a sneaky, underhanded way. She was like... Uh, she went to human resources rather than um, fighting that guy for his information. She just took it and then showed Mm -hmm. that she was right. Um, And I mean, sometimes if someone, because the other guy, he wanted to win over her, but he was just in it for the power. He wasn't in it for what was right. And she's doing what she thinks is right. Um, Yeah. I I don't want, I do not want to see a redemption arc for her though. No, no. And I don't think there should be. No. But you do feel like not only sympathy for her, but uh, as General was pointing out, like she's a working woman in a man's world. You kind of are rooting for her because you realize how much harder she has to work in order to keep up with these people that she's their betters. But she's, you know, so she has to do twice as much work, probably for less pay. I don't know what the Imperials pay, but uh, um, so you and and then they have this sort of weird relationship with Karn. I mean, she, Karn's a stalker. He's creepy. Yeah, I don't think that needs to go anywhere, but then the last episode, they kind he saves his, her life, and you're kind of like, oh, where's this going to go? Um, it's a really interesting dynamic, and we I don't think we've seen Imperial characters like this before in Star Wars. I don't know either if it's fair to impose our ideas of a woman in a man's world to the star Wars universe. There's mm-hmm. not too much of that, you know, Oh, she's just a girl. We shouldn't listen to her. There are fewer women in it as there are in a lot of movies. There's usually more male characters than, than female characters, but I don't know that she's fighting to be recognized because she's a woman. I think she's just fighting to be recognized in a place with an extreme amount of infighting. I think she's trying to work her way up and yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Well, I mean, and, it does feel like that this is a more corporate look at the empire. I mean, you've got guys oh. in cubes, you've got a board of directors kind of scenario. You've got a lot of like, you know, it just seemed to me that it was, it was really using a corporate atmosphere for the empire rather than the military one that we've seen before. I've seen so many, you know, references to characters that I actually work with or have worked with in the past and (laughs) it's and it's it's scary how realistic it is and she is Miro is one of those people who will tear you down to get what she wants to to work her way further up to get favor sure and and everything and no I don't I, I think she's a rotten character as in a yes. p- rotten person. I think the actress is playing the hell out of her, but I do think she is 
She is not likable. She is not anyone who's going, oh, I feel sorry for her because she's female or whatever. I, I never saw that. It could have been a male or a female doing the same thing because I've worked with people like that so much who will just chew behind your back and, you know, take credit for your work and everything. Right. And you saw that in this completely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, is, Cyril, is Cyril the only one that we see that with? Oh, you saw that she's, you know, when she was told not to do things by the supervisors, she did stuff that she wasn't supposed to be doing. And she was being successful at it because she found out information about Andor or some of the other organ, the rebels and such about that one ship that they captured. And, you know, she they came up with the plan to interrogate the person and about the power plant which you never saw the power plant raid and everything it was talked about but i'm glad they didn't show it because it it would have taken away and it would have been a huge battle scene that would have taken the whole series out of the feel that they had because they were building and building the one battle scene you really got in this was the rebellion at the in the final episode and that's what made it more powerful because that was going towards it let me ask you a question about your feelings about Dedra. If it was in the rebellion and someone had been told, don't do this thing, and they did it anyway because it was the right thing to do, would we then think that they were a good person? No, because I, 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 totally, I, no, I totally hate people who do stuff like that because I've, so, I've worked with too many of them. They could have been a rebel or they could have been with the Empire. I care less. I I despised her for what she, the way she was going around things. And that's why, because she was like, she was cool with torturing people. Like this woman is like, like, like she's straightened up. Like she gets enjoyment out of like torturing uh, uh, other people. And that, that other than that, you know, her, her practices uh, moving up and, and doing her job, I think, you know, are pretty competent. I mean, I, and I think she's, she's more than competent and she's, you know, she's still not taken seriously. In that last episode, you know, they, they do capture and they kill all the rebels in that raid. And she's like, why didn't you leave someone alive? Like, why wasn't I part of this? They're totally still dismissing her, even though she's been doing her job like better than anybody in the room. Mike, it sort of sounds like you think that people should just follow orders. No, not at all. <laughs> oh, I, I spin to, wow. to my own wheel. And that's the whole thing. But she she's one of those people that, you know, is going up the corporate ladder and w- will not take any prisoners to get what she wants. And then the whole thing with the other character stalking her. And that Look, that we have an incel in Star Wars. Exactly. Creepy Karn. It was Karn. Yeah. Just, <laughs> that's a great name for it. And it was funny as hell because Karn was told to stand down at the very beginning it was two, you know, two soldier, two security people who, you know, they weren't supposed to be there anyway, and they met with the wrong person. And let's not, you know, go into this. And good old Karn, you know, when his supervisor went off to his uh, training sessions or whatever, went to, you know, went behind his back and escalated it. And that's what started the whole thing. Well, is- yes and no. I mean, let's face it. Cassian killed two dudes, like straight yep. up in the first episode, murders two dudes. Um, yes. And so this is a different, you know, right away, 
within the first you know 10 minutes that this is a different kind of star wars show um and karn just wants justice he wants he's going after a killer and i you know from his perspective he's not he doesn't seem to have any doctrine of the empire he doesn't really no he doesn't like believing in the empire he just wants justice for this for these this murder he's going after a killer now he's creepy he's not he's a mama's boy he's He's all sorts of, he has all sorts of issues. So I'm not saying he's a good guy, but I mean, his actions in the beginning when he's going, uh, when he does go, when he, when the supervisor says like, ah, don't worry about it. Like, we'll just let a killer go free. It's like, I know those two guys, they were probably up to trouble. It's like, no, no, that's not the way, you know, the police, the, the inspectors should work, you know, like, and, and so I, I think that Karn is not sympathetic, but I certainly think oh. he's understandable in the beginning. It's only later when he becomes creepy. Well, look yeah, at who, look at who his mother is too. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Once we think... once we meet the mom, it's like, ugh. Yeah, he's yep. not. He's not Explains a mama's a boy. Yeah, he's not no. a mama's boy. No, no. He's. Uh, I think he's motivated by trying to prove to people that he can do stuff. His mother has been making him feel his whole life like he can't do things, that he can only do things when other people help him. And so he wants to finally do something. He sees something that's gone wrong. And he and that when uh, Cassian kills those people, I remember thinking, oh, he's a lot more violent than I thought he was. But he's never like that in the rest of the time. Like, he do was, we not have guns on Rogue stun War in Star Wars? I was, I was surprised in Rogue One when he straight up murders a dude. Yes. Like when so we're introduced that... to Cassian, he likes, yeah, he's murders the guy. And I'm like, oh, that's something I, that's, that's not something I'd see Han Solo do. Well, and, well, except with uh, Greedo. But the, Greedo, uh, right. the, yeah, but the, that was the very first scene you see Han Solo, you know? I no, no, thought, no, no. didn't Greedo, no, Greedo shoot shot first? first. No. <laughs> but I mean, I thought that that would be like, it would make more sense if you could see him in the TV show build up to becoming the guy who kills people for the rebellion in this one, he just kills someone the first time we see him like in the movie. Is it just a callback to the movie? Cause I think it would have been in my opinion, cause you never really see him do it again in the show unless it's in self-defense or something. And he seems kind of nervous. He doesn't seem like a cold blooded killer except at the beginning when he kills these two guys who are really just trying to shake him down. I yeah. would have thought it would have made more sense if he had like a code against killing where he was supposed to kill them and then didn't and just beat them up. And then they still look for him because he can't quite bring himself to kill them, but instead he just does it. And then the rest of the show, he comes across as somebody completely different. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, the rest of the show, he's, he's sort of given up on looking for his sister too. That's kind of an odd kind of switch too, I think there. Um, Let's talk about uh, some of the other uh, things in this. Uh, Mike, was there a character or a sequence or an episode that uh, really you appreciated in this show? Well, the scenes at the prison were just amazing. Oh, uh, yes. You yes. know, Andy Serkis is just, a, he just proves himself every time how amazing of an actor he is. And the whole scenes you know, being the supervisor, you know, hey, his time is almost up. He has 200 more cycles left and, you know, that he's going to get out and, you know, get back to his life. And then, and, you know, Cassian literally going, hey, no, you know, we've got to get out now. We've got to do something. And then finding when they killed everyone on 
what was it level two or something like that yeah yeah one of the levels yeah and it was just like and then the doctor you know coming in when the one guy had the stroke was just it was those all those scenes were so powerful and i i was like thinking they're building stuff for the death star they've got to be building you know yep. all this stuff and it was just to get proven right at the very end was just awesome and the escape scene you know we're not we're not, we're getting out of here everyone's getting out and you know and then finding out that Andy Circus's character can't swim and everything it's like oh that was just so heartbreaking it's okay somebody would have been we, able uh, to we, tell him we know later on he becomes snoke so he becomes the <laughs> supreme leader so even though we don't see that happen like, you know, come on. It's they're both Andy Circus, right? So True. That's true, a big true. mystery behind Snoke solved, right? Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> but it it was it was those scenes in the prison though were awesome. And and it was funny that, you know, Cassian got captured by the robot, you know, the model robot that would end up being his help, his assistant in Rogue mm -hmm. One and everything. It was just like, okay. Because I yeah, hope there's a lot of like little touches here that foreshadow things, and it, it's like I was waiting for, you know, you know, we're going to hopefully get that in season two and everything, but we're going to, you know, hopefully see how he gets the robot as assistant because this is like five years before Rogue One, so mm -hmm. yeah, and I think the second season, I don't know if there's going to be a time jump between seasons, but the second season is supposed to lead right into the beginning of Rogue One, so. I'm wondering if they're going to tie into Rebels at all, too, because, you know, I don't I doubt it. I don't think that uh, the producers have any interest in crossing over this. Well, now, now, we've seen characters that have appeared in like Saul Guerrero is in this. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Well, Saul Guerrero was also in Rogue One, too. So, you know, you yeah, see his first appearance was in the Clone Wars. So. Yeah, that's true. So. It was it was neat to see, but I would also love to see, you know, because there are certain events. It doesn't even have to have the characters from the Rebels, but there's events that happen in Rebels that could tie into majorly the formation of the Rebellion and everything with this. So, yeah, well, I mean, I think that's where the Mon Mothma, I mean, obviously how her journey is not even halfway there yet. Um, so oh, she's, no, she's not even there anywhere near it. Yet. So how does she um, feel that she's safe to talk in her home provided by the government? She doesn't think it's, bugged? yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that's like, how do I, I, I can only imagine she's got them. Like she's got it scanned or Sleepers something. Or I don't whatever. Know. So yeah. Or, Otherwise or we'd have no scenes. For a foolish about the, uh, lemo driver and everything you knew he was, you know? <laughs> oh, she, oh, she knew he was, knew. Yeah. yeah. She's throwing her husband under the bus to cover for the yep. money. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. And she's throwing her daughter under the bus too. Like yeah. here. Yeah, but here, she has here, she doesn't introduced want to. Me to this like guy. No, she didn't no, want she that. Doesn't, well, she, did not she doesn't want, want to, but she still is. And the daughter um, though wants it though too, right? It would be worse yeah. if the daughter was like, No, don't make me do this thing that I obviously really want to do because I'm following the old ways because you're not and I hate you because you're my mom. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Teenagers. We've all, we've all been there. Yeah absolutely absolutely um before we move on is there anybody else i thought the prison stuff that arc that three episode arc was pretty amazing too i really liked the aesthetic choice the style of the way the prison was and it was shot it really had a you know early george lucas thx 1138 feel to it i know that was intentional 
Um, I thought it was really compelling and, um, you know, of course, Andy Serkis was amazing in it. Um, and, and other stuff that was, I mean, the whole sequence was pretty cool, filmed very well. I thought it was a nice kind of diversion away from things, but also, yeah, I mean, they're making parts for the Death Star. So Cassian is making parts for the Death Star. He helps create the Death Star. Of course, we know the Death Star kills him, but he also does things that help it get destroyed as well. So like it is sort of this whole sort of thematic. I like the themes that that's going on here with the Death Star and and Cassian here. Um, But any other notes about the prison sequences? I really liked the breakout. Um, Yes. I liked the, the way that that progressed. And it felt similar to the funeral in the, like, you could feel it sort of building. It's like, oh, my God, where is this going? It's just a funeral. Why am I so tense? <laughs> oh, that, that's a, yeah, that's, that was wonderfully done. That was such a tense scene. And, of course, the way it ends up, and it's just, yeah, um, amazing. Um, Jennifer, was there anything else about the series that you wanted to point out or, or reference? No, I think I managed to jam it all in there. <laughs> you did a great job at it, too. I'm impressed. Thanks. Um, Ashley, anything um, that you noticed as well? I thought the um, musical choices for this series were interesting. In some ways, it almost made me think of like Blade Runner more so than a traditional Star Wars, which I think fit in better with the theme and kind of let you know this is this is something different that you're going to be watching so yeah i feel like um the musical choices really helped sell what type of series this was going to be yeah and the opening and closing i think are different music every episode mm-hmm. um depending i guess on what's going on in that episode although i didn't really you know in- invest in that too much uh although i did not i don't know it's like it says you can skip it, like on Disney Plus. They have the option to skip. It's like it's only five seconds. Like I can't. I can wait. You know, I can. Yeah. <laughs> I can wait it out. Um, but I and it's Star Wars. <laughs> I, I thought they of do. something I didn't jam in. Yeah. <laughs> uh oh. Um. So it's not a big deal, but kind of like in uh, Han Solo in the Solo movie, the girl that he's in love with looks a lot like Princess Leia. Yeah, so he has they, sort of a type and Bix looks like Jin Urso or I guess vice versa. So you can sort of see, I mean, it seems like only, yeah, the, the blonde, they have a type. The blondes are evil. The brunettes are good. Yeah. 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 No, I noticed I that. I could have told uh, you that for years. Okay. I, I think Rogue One really hit it home because it was like, okay, you're introducing a female uh, character in this as who's going to lead this movie. And she has the same kind of, you know, she's a petite brunette that looks similarly to, you know, Leia and Amadala and all, like like all of them. It's like, why couldn't we've had someone blonde or heck a ginger? You know, go out there. <laughs> <laughs> if she's a rebel, like have her be a ginger, right? <laughs> but uh, yeah, there is a type, and you're right about that. I didn't. I think with Lucas when he when he made the Star Wars films originally, all the Imperials were supposed to have an English accent. And all the other characters, particularly the rebels, would have American or other accents as well. I I think that's held up. Um, I'm pretty sure that's held up in this series, but I'm not sure completely. There's uh, at least one uh, Imperial Guard in Episode 4, I think, who has an American accent. I was just watching hmm. something about the lost cut yesterday. 
and it was showing a bunch of shots of uh, Imperials and they had American accents and then they dubbed them over with British or vice versa. Gotcha. But there gotcha. was one guy I remember walking along with Darth Vader talking to him and he totally has an American accent, but I can't place what <laughs> scene it was. <laughs> Uh, Mike, any other uh, comments uh, or things you wanted to point out about the series? Yeah, we didn't even touch on the heist and <laughs> scene, which was that was just awesome, and everything that the building up to it, the the blending in with the locals, and then you know the heist itself and how bad it went for them, but they still made it away, but it cost well, them dearly. Three of them did. Yeah. <laughs> the dude's manifesto. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the manifesto was awesome. The, you mm -hmm. know, and oh, when he got crushed, though, it was just like, it was like, yeah. that was just awful. But it it was interesting to see. And I'm going to be very curious to see where it goes from there. And, you know, it's because, you know, they were starting, they're starting to get funding and trying to, get you know steal from the empire and it was it was a it was a really neat scene and the building up to it and i thought they were going to fail i didn't think they were going to make it and everything i thought that's how he ended up in the prison because you know because i had heard about you know i was a little bit further behind and i knew they had the prison scenes coming up and i thought that's you know they were going to fail and that's what it was and it looked like they were a couple times Mm -hmm. and, and afterwards when he was talking with that guy that he shot at the end the guy who was like we could just take the money and get away yep. when i was watching that scene what i thought that guy was doing was that he was trying to evaluate whether cassian would do that or if he was with them in the rebellion and so when cassian just killed him i was like wait a minute how do we know that that's that he was really gonna like maybe he was really just trying to evaluate cassian and now we'll never know because yeah, like, when, oh, you're a jerk. Especially when he tells Val and she's like, I would I find that hard to believe. He would never do that. And I'm like, oh my God, I hope that <laughs> I hope he didn't just murder a yeah. dude just because he's like, Oh, you were just playing? Oh, I'm sorry. Oops. Yeah. Did I did I pass the test? I'm not sure. I you know, when in doubt, Cassian just straights up murdered dudes. <laughs> well, and if that guy though was really uh trying to walk away with the money with him, if he went to if they went to Val and he's like this guy just said this. And the other guy is like, no, I didn't. And then you would know that that guy was a bad guy, but then right. it would be, you know, well, which one do we trust here? We don't know you. We, we know that you're hired as a mercenary Cassian. So we're not going to trust you and we're going to kill you. And then the show is over. It kind of felt like <laughs> a scene. Like what was that scene for? Was it just to show us that Cassian is just going to kill people without thinking? Because otherwise it didn't seem to serve too much of a purpose to me. Yeah, well, you still got the instinct, that's for sure. Um, and, you know, as long as it's bad guys, I guess it's okay. Um, uh, you know, um, so... It's okay to punch Nazis. Uh, <laughs> exactly, every time. And that's really what the Empire is, right? So, um, uh, so Mike, yeah, let's uh, spend a few minutes uh, as we end up, wrap up here, talking about what we want to see from season two. We're probably going to have to wait another year, year and a half, um because it's probably not gonna air until 2022 goodness that saying that it, out loud just it is weird. mike it uh, is 2022 right now i i don't yeah i don't even that's amazing to me um that just sounds so much like a future like blade runner type 
year. Um, anyway, um, That's 2019. So we're going to have to uh, wait a while. Uh, but um, whether there's a time jump, of course, it's going to have to lead in. You know, it's going to be leading into the events of Rogue One. We know that. Um, what What do we want to see? Do we want to see like Cassian and Vel and Cinta like taking on rebel missions for Lucen or Lutheran or whatever, and 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 doing their rebel thing, or or where do you want to see this go? Do you want more Karn? I think uh um the uh <laughs> the decoding TV referred to it as Karntent. All the scenes with Karn and uh and uh Deidre are is Karntent. Um, and, uh, do we want to see more content? Uh, I, and what, you know, Mon Mothma's story, anybody else? What do you want to see, uh, Ashley? Yeah. So, I mean, it's tempting to want to load up the second season with cameos like, oh, what if we saw a little Vader or a little Emperor? And while the fan part of my brain would love to see that, I don't think that would do this show any favors. So I hope that they kind of stick to the characters they have now, I think adding in K2SO and showing how that um, impacts Cassian's character could be worthwhile. I would also be interested to see if um, director Krennic, he was another big player in um, Rogue One and maybe seeing his character explored a little bit more could be interesting, especially since he's kind of a guy that's also fighting to be noticed and recognized and then Tarkin just kind of sweeps in and takes credit for the Death Star under him. So I feel like his character could play along with some of the similar themes. I would be intrigued to see if um, Luthen was perhaps a past Jedi, but I wouldn't necessarily want to see him like whip out his lightsaber and use the force. I think it would be interesting to maybe see like that was his past. He set that aside and now he's, um, just working more through the espionage uh, venue. And yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with um, uh, Cyril. I I don't necessarily think that he'll get a redemption arc, but maybe he'll end up with some regret at the end. I could kind of see that happening in some way. So yeah, I feel like there's a lot of interesting things that are going to go down here and then seeing... Um, Mon Mothma and what other compromises and decisions she has to make. So yeah, I think there's a lot of great uh, character development yet to come on this show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Jen, anything else? Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more about Mon Mothma's uh, religion, uh, the culture, uh, just a little bit more of that. I also want to know who all these Bothans are who died to get us the Death Star plans. Um, and there was something else. Uh, there was somebody that I was thinking about when Ashley was talking. I can't remember anymore. So, I let, um, <laughs> but I mean, I like that she's like Mon Mothma's a senator, and I don't think I knew that before watching this. Um, so she's like uh, Leia, mm-hmm. um, and I want to see what happens when. Like, I kind of feel like her husband, oh, I want, I remember now, I want to see what her relationship is going to be like with the mobster who she's tied herself to. And I kind of feel like the mobster is going to be somebody who helps her with the rebellion Mm. in a way that she isn't expecting because she'll think that he's someone who's only in it for himself. And I mean, and a lot of people are, and he's obviously in it for the status 
because he wants his son to marry into her family. But I wouldn't be surprised if he has some feelings about the empire himself because he's a criminal. He doesn't like the government anyway. So maybe he's trying to finagle his way into the government because he thinks that when he's on the inside, he can make change. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Mike? What she said. That's it. That's good. <laughs> now, there's some, uh, I, there's so much they can do with season two. It's going to be very interesting to you know see where they grow the characters and you know the rebellions. You know the rebellion is bigger when you get to Rogue One, and because basically, you know, the universe is on the brink of you know full out you know civil war when you get to rogue one and they're not at that point when we get to the end of season one of andor there's got to be a lot more to get to that point and more planets rebelling more you know more places more people dropping out of the empire and you know things like that and it's going to be real interesting to see where it goes and the stories and are we going to get more you know cameos from well-known characters like ashley said i'm hoping we don't see vader i'm hoping we don't see the emperor and you know stormtroopers are dime a dozen that's fine but you know this is the people they're going up against i'd rather see the bureaucracy of the empire going up against the, the building rebellion i think that's just that's part of the fun i'm looking forward to seeing in season two and like I said, more maturing of of it too. But the interesting thing we're also going to see is, you know, what's going to happen to Luther. You know, you don't see him in Rogue One. You know, so something's going to happen to him. Is Maybe. he? Yeah. Is he going to die, or is he just you know? going undercover or something and you don't see him in the movie or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's a big galaxy. He could be anywhere. Yeah, well, Absolutely. exactly. Absolutely. You know, he could be... And he could, always, he could be continue to manipulate things behind the scenes, but he's just, like, really quiet. I mean, he... I love that speech that uh, he gives about giving up everything. Um, it is so powerful. And I'm like, yep, Emmy nod right there. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not that he's going to get it for this show. Although if there's any Star Wars show that's going to get a best actor, uh, best series, whatever nomination, it should be this one. Yeah. Um, I think, uh, well, Skarsgård, I definitely could see getting a best supporting actor nomination or something. I would love that. I would love that. Wow. Everybody talked and nobody said they wanted to see more B2 emo. Like I just been surprised. Like, uh, man, that droid like really tugged at the heartstrings, he, didn't he? Oh, he was I awesome. totally forgot about him. That was, yeah. <laughs> Hitting you in the feels. Yeah. And it wasn't, was there anybody in this one who was like, I hate droids like in the other ones? No. Everybody no. seemed to acknowledge him as like, oh, he has feelings. Oh. Yeah, he he had well, I mean, he's appropriately named. He's the most emo of any droid that I've ever come across, I think. Uh like, I mean, he's just <laughs> he just wears the, his his metal heart on his sleeve. Uh um that sequence where they're carrying out her body uh and uh it's from his point of view. It's just like, wow, that's that's uh marva that's uh, they're carrying out her body and everything and it's and he doesn't want to leave he doesn't want to be alone 
it's like, yeah. But at the end, he's the one that kind of is there uh, presenting her message to everybody. Um, yeah. So that's uh, so, you know, that's cool. He gets shoved around, but we don't know what happens. Well, no, he he gets uh, he escapes with the others. So whether or not we'll see them again, I, I don't know. I hope so. We probably will. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that wraps it up. So thanks, everybody, for joining us and talking about Andor. Uh, we're going to be right back and we're going to close out the show. A long, long time ago in a galaxy far away. Naboo was under an attack And I thought me and Qui-Gon Jinn Could talk the Federation into Maybe cutting them a little slack But their response, it didn't thrill us They locked the doors and tried to kill us We escaped from that Welcome to A Geek Girl's Take. I'm your host, Angela. And this week, this geek girl is talking about the new Netflix show, Wednesday. The new Adams Family series, following Wednesday Adams, is out on Netflix now, and it's an absolute delight of a show, which is odd to say when you're talking about Wednesday Adams. The show starts off showing Wednesday getting in trouble at a normal public school and getting sent to Nevermore Academy, a school for students who are not what society considers normal. It was the school her parents went to, and Wednesday is not thrilled to be going there because of that. During the series, however, Wednesday softens up to the school and goes on the case to solve a series of murders that are going on. She befriends students and normal teens from the town surrounding the school and learns that there are some pretty crazy secrets and mysteries going on. From a murder that her father possibly committed as a kid to who is killing random people and stealing different body parts from each of them. The acting and the characters in this show were so fun. It is so very well written and overall just a wonderful quirky mess of a show that I very much enjoyed watching. I really liked all the casting and really hope we get a second season. But they will have a really high bar to reach to keep up with how wonderful season one was. I loved how they had Christina Ritchie as a character in it and I also absolutely adored Gwendolyn Christie as the principal. She was fantastic. I was trying to figure out throughout my entire watch who was the killer, and I was only halfway right by the end. So it was a very fun watch and one that really made you think as well. Thanks for listening to A Geek Girl's Take. What will I talk about next week? Well, you're going to have to listen to find out. So, Brittany, Martha, <laughs> tell me about your podcast. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like we're in sync, but also kind of a disaster. We are always a disaster. So our podcast is fun if you want to hear two people talk about and complain about stuff that <laughs> a they lot of love and also hate. And drink. And drink. And the show is called? Oh. <laughs> but, but first, let's, let's talk, talk nerdy. nerdy. You can find us on the ESO Network. Bye-bye. See you next Tuesday. <laughs> So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Earth Station One podcast. We want to thank everyone for joining us. Ashley, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. Even though you were under the weather, you still did an amazing job tonight. So I can't resist an opportunity to talk about Star Wars. <laughs> we do appreciate you so, so much here on the station. Absolutely. And you know what? That's Folks, that's why she isn't on video. She's sparing you, you know, what she's looking like tonight, as she said.
Yes. Um, I feel like tonight I look like something that was coughed out of the Sarlacc pit on Tatooine. So believe me, you, you're, you're, my gift to you all is that I'm not on video tonight. <laughs> I hope you get well soon. Thank Go you. Me too. We definitely do. And, you know, we can't wait to see your new digs. You're going to give us all a personal tour the next time you're on the podcast. Yes, I'm very excited. Hopefully next podcast, I'll uh, debut my new podcasting area. So look at, looking forward to getting my geek art on the walls and getting all set up. Excellent. Can't wait. And Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's been too long. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anything you want to promote or shout out about? Uh, there's a couple of shows that I'm watching right now. Uh, the Peripheral is uh, one of them. It's a science fiction. I think it's on, I can't is it Disney. I think it's Disney. It's on uh, Amazon Or is it Prime? Prime. Right. Yep. I get them confused. We have all of those. So it's one on Prime. I'm, yeah. I'm on, I'm three or four episodes in. I really quite, I'm really quite enjoying it. Everybody's very good. The development is good. Although in the first episode, I did totally call what was going on in the first episode, which I won't oh. share because then that would wreck things. And I'm also watching uh, on Netflix a German series called Cleo, K-L-E-O, about, uh, it's a, I guess what we would call a period piece now about a woman who worked for the Stasi in the 80s um, and she gets betrayed and Ooh. spends the rest of the uh, series uh, trying to figure out who betrayed her after the wall falls. That's awesome. That is awesome. Definitely, folks, check this out. It'd be very cool to do. And we don't get paid to, for advertising from either of those two. We would greatly take it. But we're, we're open to it. We're yeah. very, <laughs> open, very much open. So it would be great if you could. But awesome. Thanks for being here once again. And Mr. Mike, we made it through another one, my friend. We did. This overstuffed episode. Oof, man. I need to, I need to take a nap. Um, uh, and it's, as always, it's been my pleasure. Anything you want to shout out about, sir? I do. I just want to give a call out uh, to those people who are Tiki fans out there like myself. Um, there are a lot of Tiki restaurants that are unfortunately no longer with us. And one of them that looks like it's going to happen unless something's done is uh, the Trader Vic's in London. Uh, now, this uh, Trader Vic's is one of the um, most established places, most revered places of all the tiki restaurants, restaurants and bars. Um, this Trader Vic's particularly opened up with the hotel in 1963, um, and it's the oldest uh, of the Trader Vic's franchises that's still open. But they have been been informed, notified by the London Hilton on Park Lane that uh, they will be evicted. Their last day of business will be December 31st of this year. So um, just months shy of its 60th anniversary. So um, I don't know. There's not, obviously, uh, there's still a lot of things underway uh, as, as far as what we could do to sort of help this out and see if it doesn't happen. Um, but right now there is a petition uh, for what it's worth. <laughs> um, but there's a petition on change.org, which I will link to. So if people are interested, they can add their names to that. Um, but uh, and in, and more as it develops, certainly anything that I see that uh, that we can do to be, be a little bit more active as far as uh, helping this thing remain open, um, uh, I think is, a, is nothing but a boon. Like, I, I just I just I don't know why this is happening. Um, I I just feel like this is a treasured place. I've heard good things about it. Unfortunately, it's not a place that I've ever been to, but it's been on my bucket list. And come on, not just don't just do it for me. But come on, when Warren Zevon was singing about werewolves in London, when he mentioned Trader Vicks, this is a Trader Vicks he was talking about. So for the memory of Warren Zevon, 
come on, make let's 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 not shut this down. Nope, I agree with that completely. It's pretty awesome, actually, when you get a chance to visit a Trader Vic's and especially one of the old original ones. And we are blessed know, to have one in Atlanta. We are, we truly are. So definitely worth going to if you're a fan of tiki. And you know, I know there's a petition and a thing going on to help. You know, hopefully save it. Hopefully, hopefully yes. it helps. I don't know what you know what positions have powers of anymore, but I mean, certainly it's a first step. Oh, very much so. Very, very much so. Definitely check it out. Um, for me, um, I was up in New York State this last weekend, and I got to go to the wonderful city of Beacon, New York, and I got to go visit my friend Shirley, who owns a nice little restaurant up there. It's called the Pandorica. That's right, folks. It is a Doctor Who themed restaurant. And we've talked about it many times over on Earth Station Who. And Shirley is an amazing, amazing person. And her and her team who run the restaurant is just great. You go in and it's a Doctor Who dream. Literally having the back wall being the uh, picture that Van Gogh drew and painted of the TARDIS exploding, you know, on a, on a full wall, you go into the bathroom. It's the TARDIS console room. Um, when you're in the hallway into the back, it's the crack um, from the first Matt Smith season. It's really awesome. And there's so much Dr. Who memorabilia throughout the building and everything. Even the doors into the building is the TARDIS entryway. It's, it's really cool. So if you're ever up in Beacon, New York, which is about 90 minutes north of Manhattan, go check it out. It's in the Hudson Valley, and, you know, you will not be disappointed. It's a geek stream. And, you know, there's also a pretty awesome comic shop in Beacon and some great other arty-type things, you know, get to get your geek on on. It's pretty cool, and they have a great art museum. You know, check it out. It's a ton of fun. I'll have a link up to um, the Pandorica and the town of Beacon up in the show notes for you to check out. But it's a, ton, it's a cool thing. So please definitely join us. And speaking of joining us, folks, join us next week. Darren's going to be back. That's right, folks. <laughs> we are d- going to be looking at, ready for this, folks? We're looking at Pee Wee's Playhouse Christmas special. Talk about getting into the holidays, folks. You know, it's campy as can be. I remember watching it. When it first aired years and years ago, it should, it's a ton of fun. And Darren's going to take us through the LGBT side of it. And, you know, I'm sure Mary will be here also. And so it should be a ton of fun to see. So definitely join us for that. And as always, we'd like to say, we'd love to hear from you wherever we can. Uh, we couldn't do this here without you folks. We keep on saying that every week. And it's true. We would probably sit around and talk geeky stuff but we wouldn't be doing this podcast if it wasn't for you guys please leave feedback for us wherever we're, you can find and you know if you want to write us let us know how we're doing or if you have any comments or anything please feedback at earthstation1.com we definitely would love to hear from you remember you can find earthstation1 wherever fine podcasts are found and now earthstation1 can be found in video format on youtube please subscribe and tell all your friends about us on behalf of myself mike Faber, mr mike gordon Ms. Jennifer Wees, and Ms. Ashley Pauls. Thank you for listening, and we will see you next time on the Earth Station One podcast. Thank you, guys. We will see you next time on Earth Station One, and we're out of here. <laughs>
Peace, and we are done. Later. You've been listening to the Air Station One podcast, a show by fans for fans. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to our show up on iTunes or wherever fine podcasts are found. While you're up there, please rate us and remember to leave feedback. It would greatly be appreciated. And remember to tell your friends all about us while you're at it. Air Station One is available on most social media sites where you can join some really great topics or chats. Help support our show by shopping through our Amazon.com link or purchasing very cool ESO Network clothing and merchandise at our T Public store. Links to both are found on the top of our ESO Network webpage. Become a patron of the ESO Network by backing us up on Patreon for as little as 25 cents a week. Go to patreon.com slash ESO Network to sign up. We want to hear from you. Please write us at earthstation1 at esonetwork.com or call us at 404-963-9057. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time here on the Earth Station One podcast. Peace, and we're done. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.